This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the TuneIn radio app. And I'm Lyle Southwell and this is Lawson Walters. Here on Faith FM as we get into our 20 million movement, 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. Uh, right around the world. And Lawson, true to his word, <laughs> has been next door. Yep. And bought hash browns. Uh huh. And cooked them in the oven. Uh huh. And is now eating them with tomato sauce right here in front of me, along with producer Jasmine, who is on this morning. <laughs> hey, I offered you one. Yeah, no, I already had breakfast. Yeah, you're, I had Weet-Bix. you're good. Weet-Bix is. Weet-Bix is just All great. You That's right. All you need. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, when my wife goes away for like a month to the United States, I just eat Weet-Bix. It's a whole food right there. I'm, I'm sure it's a whole food. <laughs> what Maybe a batch it's not. meal. Well, you know, wheat bix paired with soy milk. You put some fruit on top. Yeah, they, they, now that's got to be a whole food. Yeah, just about. You've got, you've got pretty much everything you need. You just you've need a got glass grains, of water. You've got fruit. You've got milk. Soy milk. Beans. That's beans. beans. That's legumes. Yeah. Or legumes, as some people call legumes. them. Legumes. Legumes. Yep. There you go. See, it's a whole food. I told you. Nah, nah, Jasmine's shaking her head. She says it's not a whole food. No, I think it's a whole food. agree with us. Our, our male logic is like, it, she can't understand that, that you could just eat wheat bix the whole time. I think she's just like, nah. Well, it's the best kind of cooking. It is. It is. You, just, it, you just add, you just add, uh, oh, 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 oh. Uh, she's saying there's no veggies. There's no veggies. Beans are a veggie. Yeah. Soy milk. Beans are of beans are veggie. Okay, so producer uh, Jazz, Jasmine is um, disputing this with us. What does she say here this time? Uh, leafy greens. Oh, just put some spinach on your wheat beans. I'm not a rabbit. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not. A, I don't eat rabbit food. Actually, no, I shouldn't say that. Rabbit food is really, really good for you, it as is, in leafy greens. It's very good for you. Okay, um, we are sidetracked. We should be getting into our Bible study, and yes. this is what happens when you walk in with a big plate of steaming hot hash browns. Actually, we're really hot. I smashed one before we went back on air because I just finished. And now your mouth hurts. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> it's like, tss, like burning my <laughs> saliva. <laughs> but it's all good. I'm, they're just like sitting there waiting to go. But... We, uh, we should do a Bible study. We should. The book of Ezra. Let's go to Ezra. Ezra's a pretty cool guy. He is. In fact, I want to read a, a quote about Ezra. I've got a couple of quotes about Ezra. Let me find them. Where are they? The efforts of Ezra to revive an interest in the study of the Scriptures were given permanency by his painstaking lifelong work of preserving and multiplying the sacred writings. He gathered all the copies of the law that he could find and had these transcribed and distributed. The pure word thus multiplied and placed in the hands of many people gave knowledge that it was that was of inestimable, inestimable value. And so we have Ezra the scribe to thank for the Bible that we have today. Mm. Uh, it's possible the Bible would have survived without Ezra, but Ezra was the one who really pulled it together, pulled all of the writings of the prophets together, um, and in many ways formed maybe the second canon. So the first canon, of course, was the five books of Moses. Yeah. Uh, Ezra, of course, has you know pulled together you know first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, Chronicles, mm-hmm. Job, Psalms. Um, 
and then all of your prophetic writings um, and he's been able to assemble all of that, put it all together because as we've been talking about, this guy was obsessed with details mm. um, and records and so as a result of that, we have so much of the Bible that we have today. He just did an amazing job. Praise God. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, let me see here. I've got another quote here. Born of the sons of Aaron, Ezra had been given a priestly training. And in addition to this, he had acquired a familiar a familiarity with the writings of the magicians and the astrologers, the wise men of the Medo-Persian realm. He was not satisfied with his spiritual condition. He longed to be in full harmony with God. He longed for wisdom to carry out the divine will. And so he prepared his heart to seek the law of his um, uh, seek the law of the Lord and to do it. This led him to apply himself diligently to the study of the history of God's people as recorded in the writings of the prophets and kings. He searched the historical and poetical books of the Bible to learn why the Lord had permitted Jerusalem to be destroyed mm. and his people to be carried into a heathen land. Yeah. That's from the book Prophets and Kings, page 608. We've been giving away copies of that during the week. And speaking about giving away copies of Prophets and Kings, if you want your copy of Prophets and Kings, you're going to have to answer this quiz question that we nearly forgot to uh, get to. What do you got to yeah, call us here there, we go. What am I? Prior to attacking Jericho, the Israelites ceased from eating this. And they never ate it again. <laughs> That's my extra clue. <laughs> Gone forever. Forever. You have never eaten this. What could it be? Mm, it's food that we have not eaten. Yes. one eight hundred three two four eight four three is the number. We're giving out way too many clues here today. So this is what happens when Mon's away. If Mon was here, she'd be like, no, 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 bossing us around. <laughs> We have no one to boss us this morning. No, so we're, it's all we're, just, we're loose goose. Today. Absolutely. That the uh, the party is here today. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so let's go to the book of Ezra and we are going to read the decree of Artaxerxes. Oh, yes. The decree of Artaxerxes to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. We're going to notice how it is a little different from some of the other decrees that were given. Of course, this one being given during the time of Ezra. Mm. Ezra wrote it down word for word, whereas the other decrees um, he did not have complete copies of. Mm. And so um, in this one, he is, um, he's, he's got it and it's recorded and it's on the record. And uh, yeah. All right. <sighs> Turning pages of the Bible. You with spoke one earlier hand. about Ezra and how, like, he had this, yeah, he had this just huge desire to to understand why, you know, God's people were put in exile by searching the history of God's people. Because it'd be really interesting, like, to, to be born and to be raised in that situation. Like, oh, I am a part of the people who were previously, like, prosperous and victorious in life. And now I'm, like, I, I born in, being born into exile like that. You know, like having that experience of like knowing the history of the past, like, oh, we used to be really good, but now we're not like, and everything's fallen apart and like the wheels have just completely fallen off this nation. And then, and then simultaneously you'd have his parents telling him about, oh, but we serve the one true God and you know, the, the surrounding <coughs> lands, they're all pagan. And it'd be like, yeah, there would be that dissonance there that, that would inspire you to oh hey what's actually going on here like if you really wanted to know god and who he was and 
I guess, kind of vindicate his character in his own mind. He would have to be like, okay, well, I need to understand why we're in this position. If we're if we are truly God's people, then how could we possibly be in exile? Of course, the generations going into exile, they would have known that. They would have been like, oh, yep, we were really bad, so we deserved it. But for Ezra, it's, that's awesome. This yeah. is like so, oh, so committed. Indeed. All right, so where are we up to? Um, we started this yesterday, but we did not complete it, and we need to go through it today because the uh, decree to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem is uh, critically important to our understanding of mm. uh, particularly the prophecy of Daniel chapter 9. Mm-hmm. So if we get time, we will also look at the prayer of Daniel, but let's see how we go here, uh, working our way through this uh, particular decree. It starts in verse 11. Lawson, if you could read that for us, please. Uh, Ezra chapter 9. No, sorry, Ezra chapter... Seven, seven and verse, and verse 11. In eight. Seven and verse 11, the Bible says, King Artaxerxes had given a copy of the following letter to Ezra, the priest and the scribe who studied and taught the commands and the decrees of the Lord to Israel. From Artaxerxes, <coughs> king of kings, to Ezra the priest, the teacher of the law of the God of heaven, greetings. I decree that any of the people of Israel in my kingdom, including the priests and the Levites, may volunteer to return to Jerusalem with you. I and my council um, of seven hereby instruct you to conduct an inquiry into the situation in Judah and Jerusalem, based on your God's law, which is in your hand. We also commission you to take with you gold and silver, which we are freely presenting as an offering to the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. We mentioned, uh, just as uh, we, we did go, we started on this yesterday before we ran out of time, but you mm. need to notice here that Artaxerxes um, has no problem in acknowledging the God of, wow. um, of Judah. Mm-hmm. And he has sent with Ezra a very large offering. Yeah. Um, a donation mm-hmm. to the God uh, of Judah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how he words it because he describes Yahweh as the God who lives in Judah. Mm. And of course, in those days, you need to understand that they saw that you know various regions had different gods, and it was a wise move for the kings of those times to appease the gods of the various regions from which they came. You're listening to Faith FM. Positively different radio. Okay, and that's exactly what you see um, Artaxerxes, this is Artaxerxes the first, of course. That's exactly what you see him doing right here, is that he is like, yes, there's a God down there. We don't want that God offside with us. Mm -hmm. In fact, we want all the gods who are in our empire on side with us. And so it is a smart move for any statesman to appease those gods. And so, yeah, here's a great opportunity. I'll send this offering down there. Um, that god down there will be particularly pleased about that, mm-hmm. and therefore that god won't try and do anything nasty to, you know, Persian interests. Mm-hmm. So Artaxerxes is trying to keep all the gods, including Yahweh, on side. He sees Yahweh as being, you know, one of the gods. Yeah. And so he is a believer in Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And everybody else, yeah. Which is, yeah. Of course, he would have reason to because of the, you know, the classic uh, Cyrus prophecy that's given in the Bible, and you know, the promotion of that would have been through through prophets like Daniel and Ezra. You know, people who would be, yeah, promoting the fact that, oh yeah, hey, we knew that you guys were coming, and we love you, and such and such. Yes. The uh, Jewish people were tremendously influential in the Persian court, mm. and it begins with Daniel. 
Daniel, who was prime minister under the Babylonian Empire, becomes prime minister under the Persian Empire. Yeah. Daniel obviously exerted a tremendous influence on the Persian Empire because it was Daniel who had prophesied that the Persian Empire would conquer the Babylonian Empire. Mm. And so in some ways he was seen a bit as a bit of an ally, even though he had never, ever uh, forsaken the Babylonian Empire. He just stood back and like, well, this is in God's hands. It will take place in God's time. Yeah, uh, He had never undermined the Babylonian Empire in any way, shape, or form. He had upheld the Babylonian Empire um, you know, during that entire time of Nebuchadnezzar's insanity, for instance, mm. um, he'd kept the Babylonian Empire together. But as soon as the Persians come to power, they're like, "Put this man in as prime minister," mm. even though and he was he was very old at that particular time as well. And so it begins with Daniel, and then you have um, others that come down through. You've got Mordecai that rises up to be prime minister of the uh, Persian Empire, and his name is well attested in archaeological and historical sources. Mm. Um, you have Queen Esther, a Jewess, who becomes the queen of the Persian Empire. Um, you have, and, and, and you can go through, there's quite a list of Jewish people that held positions of incredibly high influence. Nehemiah was cupbearer. And we're like, oh, the cupbearer, that's a bit of a lame job. No, actually, that was one of the most, and we talked about this earlier, one of the most um, crucial, and you had to basically be the most trusted person in the empire to hold that job. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you were entrusted with the cup, and that cup was never to leave your sight. <laughs> and you were responsible for anyone who came into the presence of that cup. I mean, this was a, a full-on position of you know being It was one of the highest officials in the empire was the cupbearer mm. uh, and definitely the most trusted. Um, and so, you know, you find over and over and over again, you find these Jewish people who are holding very, very high positions in the, Roman em- in the Persian Empire. And when Nebuchadnezzar, not Nebuchadnezzar, Alexander was about to smash the city of Jerusalem, mm. Uh, because it was allied to the Persians, the Jews said that they could not break their alliance with uh, with Persia. You know, Alexander's like, yeah, I'll spare your city. Just uh, you know, break your alliance with Persia and come on my side. And like, we can't. Persia's been too good to us. Mm. Um, and But they did show him the prophecies of the book of Daniel, which showed that the Greeks would overcome the Persians. And they're like, well, you know, the reason the Persians were so good to us is because we prophesied that they would, you know, our prophet prophesied that they would overtake the Babylonians. Mm. The same prophet prophesied that you would overtake the Persians. But we're not going to break our alliance with the Persians because they've been really good to us. And Alexander the Great, as a result of that, and that prophecy becomes really good to the Jews as well. Yeah. And he establishes the city of Alexandria down in Egypt. Um, he creates a perpetual scholarship for Jewish young men to go down there and study in his mm. university city down in Alexandria in Egypt. And thus you have the origin of the Sadducees. Yeah. You know why they're called Sadducees? Because they're sad? Because they don't believe in the resurrection. Yeah. And, and thus would, they are sad, you see. That would be... <laughs> Thus they are sad, you see. Oh, what a classic. Um, <laughs> Dad jokes in the morning. Well, I think it might be too early for that. Never too nah, early. It's Never not, ever it's too not. early for dad everyone, jokes. Everyone hears a piece and I'm sure everyone's either laughing at home or rolling their eyes like myself. Yes. <laughs> Bunch of um, people out there like, you yeah, heard that one a million times before, but uh, that's okay. Okay, so that's a bit of a uh, a bit of background as to you know where the prophecies of Daniel and um, particularly the Jews in relationship to Persian affairs mm. fit in, and part of that 
um, benevolence that, that, that they had towards their Persian rulers was the fact that their Persian rulers had honored their God, had enabled them to build their temple, had um, allowed them to return to the promised land, and had in many ways funded the rebuilding of that temple mm. and made it the, the, the glorious building that yeah. it was. Mm. Um, yeah, anyway, so that's what's happening. Uh, where did we get up to, Lawson? We need Verse to keep reading. 16. Okay, keep going. The Bible says, Furthermore, you are to take any silver and gold that you may obtain from the province of Babylon, as well as the voluntary offerings of the people and the priests that are presented for the temple of their God in Jerusalem. These donations are to be used specifically for the pur- purchase of bulls and rams and male lambs and the appropriate grain offering <coughs> and liquid offerings all of which will be offered on the altar of the temple of the God in Jerusalem. Okay, so notice what he's commanded here to do. He's commanded mm-hmm. to um, to gather together as much money as he could mm-hmm. so that he could go to Jerusalem and purchase livestock so that he could sacrifice animals. Yes. Once again, the Persians are showing that they have some understanding of Yahweh, but not a complete understanding. Mm. And they're like, okay, Yahweh likes sacrifices. All right, so what we will do is we will send money down there and we will authorize Ezra to collect money so that he can go down there and do sacrifices because Yahweh likes that. Mm. What they didn't recognize was that the sacrifices were symbolic of where of a heart experience mm. and that if you wanted to really have a connection, a relationship, a beneficial relationship with Yahweh, it involved more than just sacrifices, it involved a relationship. Mm. And um, it wasn't all. It wasn't about you know the number of sacrifices. It was what those sacrifices actually symbolized. Mm. But anyway, you can understand where they're coming from a pagan background. It kind of makes sense. You know, this was not unfamiliar territory. A lot of pagan religions. This is kind of how it worked. You appeased the god. You lived your entire life appeasing the god, finding out what the god wanted, and appeasing that god. The other thing I guess that's important too here to note is that for the Persians, they have seen the power of this god, Yahweh, when he works internationally. Yeah, they've they've got the story of um, you know the fiery furnace and. They have experienced for themselves the lion's den. Mm. And they know that this God, Yahweh, is a very powerful God. They know that his power sometimes extends outside the land of Judah. Mm. And so, uh, you know, you, you read in the words of Darius, for instance, who threw Daniel into the lion's den, where he says, Your God has sent, Daniel, Daniel says, My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths that they have done me no hurt. And Darius makes a proclamation throughout the king- kingdom that everybody should worship the god Yahweh. Mm. So they recognized that this was a powerful god and that he could affect affairs that were happening in Persia. So they had a lot of motivation here to keep yeah, them happy. Yeah. Just not going about it quite the right way, but I'm <laughs> sure God, god honored them because of where their heart was. Yeah. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, reading now in verse 18, the Bible says, Any silver and gold that is left over may be used in whatever way you and your colleagues feel is the will of your God. But as for the cups we are entrusting you, um, we are entrusting to you for the service of the temple of your God, deliver them all. Deliver them all to the God of Jerusalem. If you need anything else for your God's temple or or for any similar needs, you may take it from the royal treasury. I, Artaxerxes the king, hereby send this decree to all the treasurers in the province, um, in the province west of the Euphrates River. 
you are to give Ezra, the priest, the teacher of the law, um, of the God of heaven, whatever he requests of you. You are to give him up to 7,500 pounds of silver, 500 brushels of wheat, 550 gallons of wine, 550 gallons of olive oil, and an unlimited supply of salt. Be careful. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> this is this is um this is pretty good stuff that we've got happening here. You know, um, Artaxerxes he he is going all out in the decree that he makes. Um, he is being incredibly generous towards <laughs> Jerusalem, mm. Jerusalem's temple, and Jerusalem's God, and those who serve Jerusalem's God. We're going to talk more about this, uh, but before we do, we've got Jaden Levick with "Turn Your oh, Eyes Upon Jesus." There's a light for a look at the Savior And life more abundant and free Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in His wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of His glory and Through death into life everlasting He passed and we follow Him there Over us in no more hath dominion For more than conquerors we are And turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in His wonderful face And the things Welcome back, everybody. That was Jaden Levick with Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus here on Faith FM. Lawson, give us another clue for our quiz. Oh, yeah, fucking finally. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. 
No one's got this one yet. Which is interesting because they should. Um, Do you have a plate of this in front of you now? No. Well, okay. no. Depending on definition. All right. Um, what am I? Okay, let's, let's, let's back up a few clues. The Ark of the Covenant had a gold jar that contained this. Prior to attacking Jericho, the Israelites ceased from eating this. And now this next clue, this was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. You like wafers? Oh, I love wafers. You like wafers, uh, Producer Jasmine? Yeah, she's nodding her head. Uh-huh, wafers good. Yeah. Wafers are good. But not when they're, not when they're, they're coated with honey. Because honey's not vegan. Oh, you've got to be joking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Lawson's just gone completely off the green end. <laughs> off the green end? Off the green end. Yeah, well, look, I just care about animals, okay, Lyle? But bees, this is their purpose for existence, is to make honey. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Their purpose exist. of existence is pollination. I should read you what the Bible says about honey. The Bible says good things about honey. Yeah. It also says and they pollinate and they make honey. And we can eat their honey and they don't starve. Yes, Lyle, but you don't understand that honey's also kind of gross. Bee spit. Yeah, it's like, that's, that's kind of... Honey's one of the best things ever. Janky. Anyway, moving on from Lawson's just green foolishness. <laughs> um, let's go back wow. to the Word of God and let's look at what we're talking about here. You enjoy salt? You got salt on your hash browns there, uh, um, Lawson? I think they're inherently salt. I didn't go and put any salt on them. But okay, you enjoy a bit of salt? Oh, yeah, I love some salt. Would you like to? Uh, would you feel like you had uh, won something amazing if you won a, <laughs> a lifetime, lifetime supply of salt? That's, it's something that's so passive, like, <laughs> yeah, kind of be, like you wouldn't have that constant reminder of like, I have a lifetime supply of salt. It's just kind of like... Salt has been valuable at various times in the world's history. Mm-hmm. So valuable at times, it's been used as currency. Wow. There you go. Um, and here they have an unlimited supply of salt. So as much salt as they can get together, uh, the Bible says they can take and uh, along with a huge amount of uh, other things. I'm just looking up real quick what a pound of silver was worth in 457 BC. Okay. Because, like, that's the thing that's kind of 7,500 pounds of silver. Um, You'll have to convert that to kilos first. Yeah, true. Uh, well, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. Maybe you can just look it up there. Yeah. Anyway, while he's looking that up, I'm going to keep reading here from the command of Artaxerxes. It says, Whoever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done for the house of the God of heaven. For why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? Also, we certify that touching anything of any Touching any of the priests and the Levites, the singers, the porters, the Nethanim, or ministers of this house of God, it shall be not full not it shall not be lawful to impose tax, tribute, or customs upon them. I think we should bring this into a in, into Australia, don't you think, Lawson? To not tax people? No, no, don't tax anyone who's in ministry. Oh, dude. What a great idea. Oh, man. Yes. It's what the Persian Empire did. I think it's great. I, I, <laughs> yes, I vote for this one. <laughs> Um, yeah, it might not pass, but anyway. Uh, and you, Ezra, after the wisdom of God that is in your hand, set magistrates and judges which may judge all the people that are beyond the river, all such as know the laws of your God, and teach them and know them. Okay, now this is a really important part of this particular prophecy right here because 
basically what is what the Persian uh, Emperor Artaxerxes I is doing is re-establishing the laws of Judah. And um, up until this point, of course, they were under Persian magistrates and Persian law and Persian judges, a Persian legal system. But now Artaxerxes is actually giving them autonomy because he says now you can be um, under the laws um, of your God that is in your hand. And now they would be under Jewish magistrates and Jewish judges who understood Jewish laws. So, yeah, a, uh, definitely a different, um, a different decree than any of the decrees that had come beforehand. And this is why it is called the decree to restore and to rebuild, whereas all of the other decrees just focused on rebuilding. This one includes restoring as well. How you going there, Lawson? You found so a. Uh, in this day and age, I'm I'm just trying to uh, figure I'm, out how much money they got. In I'm like, so it today. Yes. Seven thousand five hundred pounds of silver would be one million nine hundred eighteen thousand seven hundred and four dollars. Yes. Um, but in I I'm trying to find a source in which I can adjust that for inflation for four fifty seven BC. That's. I wonder if that's possible. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. So yeah, you're talking about a lot of so money this, right this here. This is like two million dollars in 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 our day for silver. So like in the worth because of inflation, oh, it would have just been. How many gallons of uh, wine was there? Um, it was five hundred and fifty gallons of wine. I wonder what that would be. That wouldn't be cheap today either. Well, that depends on what kind of wine you have. Of True. <laughs> but still wouldn't be cheap. Yeah. 500 gallons is not going to be cheap. No. Not at all. <laughs> I haven't bought one ever in my life. But a gallon, what would a gallon of wine be worth? I don't know. <laughs> and then times that by, uh, yeah, there's a fair chunk, there's a fair mm. chunk here. Well, that, you know, depending on, you know, the, the, the age and purity of the grapes or whether grapes are even used or the type of grapes and, you know, where it was made and like which season were they grown in versus, you know, versus year. Listen to Lawson go. You know way too much about this. <laughs> I'm suddenly worried about you. <laughs> don't be. Trust me, you don't need to be. <laughs> okay. All right, where do we get up to? We were... Verse 26, if you can read for us, verse 26. Yeah, sure. Anyone who refuses to obey the law of your God and the law of the king will be punished immediately, either by death, banishment, confiscation of goods, or imprisonment. Okay, so there you go. Um, judgment in those days and punishment was swift. <laughs> yeah. It came fast. And uh, the Bible says the four different kinds of punishment was, uh, you know, um, death, banishment, fines, or imprisonment. Mm. We don't really have banishment as a punishment anymore, do we? No. Well, actually, we kind of do. Where? 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 Well, if you go as a fighter to a terrorist organization, you get banished from Australia. We do have banishment. Ah, oh, true. You're never allowed to come back again. Simultaneously, it's like, well, there is extradition, which is a type of banishment. It's like like you've done something wrong in somewhere else, and then you get banished back to where you came from. But uh, I don't know if you could consider that really as banishment. It's, because kind of the, ban- it's the opposite of banishment, Banishment isn't it? is like, li- no, we want you to come back. Let's drag you back to this country so we can try you in our country. <laughs> but I, wait, so but banishment in that sense is leaving you completely nationless. That was like that was actually ah uh, I talked about it on radio once. There was a huge problem that they were having with this. Like there was a there was a guy, an ISIS guy who was like Australian Fijian, and they were like 
Australian and Australia and Fiji were both like banishing him, basically to. I remember that story. Yes, yeah, they were like going backwards and forwards, and it's just like. No, you're not a part of our country. No, you're not a part of our country. No, you know. It's like, so he was completely, like, he was. Stateless. He was, just, he was stateless, which is apparently really bad. So, yeah. Like. <laughs> it is a bad thing. It is a bad thing. And sometimes, you know, you get a military op- op- occupation or something like that, and people simply just become stateless. Mm. You can't travel. You can't do anything. It becomes incredibly challenging and difficult. Anyway, it finishes off. Um, Ezra says, Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, which has put such a thing in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, and has extended mercy um, unto me before the king and his counselors, before all the king's mighty princes. And I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me, and I gathered together out of Israel chief men to go up with me. Here's April. To keep us from stumbling is able When distances come between everything that we hold dear He is able To draw us into deeper life He is able To cut away like a knife Everything that keeps us from Him Everything that keeps us from Him Mm-hmm. 
is able. And I'm sure, like me, at some time you have asked these questions. Does God exist? Is there anyone out there? And is God for real? As an atheist for years, my answer to those questions was no. But since then, I've had to reconsider the evidence. Evidence that points to a God of reason, science, love and hope. I'm inviting you to discover these answers for yourself in my exciting new series entitled, Is God for Real? You can hear Peter Watts starting Saturday, October 19th. 7 p.m. Erina Room at Erina Fair. That is Saturday, October 19, 7 p.m. Erina Room at Erina Fair. Is forgiveness or the lack of forgiveness eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe. Long term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
And I am convinced that nothing can never separate us from God's love. Well, God left His throne so that we would surely know just how far God would go because of His love. He came to Calvary. Welcome back, everybody. It is question of the daytime here on Faith FM. That was Anna Beden, of course. But before we get to question of the day, do we have an answer for our quiz? We do. We do. We do. We do. We do. We do. Shannon Marsh from Kurumbong. Congratulations. You have a prize coming your direction for answering the quiz correctly. And the correct answer was manna. Manna. Yes. And um, Lawson has been eating hash browns, not manna. Mm, uh, yes. They're, they're a little bit different in taste. Like they are. One's, one's like sweet like wafers and honey, and this is like hash browns, potato with salt cut into yeah. pieces. So, Anyway, yeah. question of the day, Lawson, what have we got for question of the day today? I think the one that I'm going to go with, because we were just like, we are talking about it. As Several we, questions of the day yeah, that we, have come in. We have, a, we have a couple, but this We might one, do two if we've got time. This one, like, has been rattling around in my head, is like, is God genderless or both genders at the same time or yeah basically like what is the gender of god okay so there's a couple of points here that we need to start on first of all there is such a thing as treading on sacred ground Mm -hmm. in trying to discover things that have not been revealed yes um and the bible does not speak to directly and say okay god is this gender or that gender or the other gender Mm-hmm. Um, if we understand everything that there is to understand about God, then we are God. Mm-hmm. Um, we do know that man and women, man and woman, were both made in the image of God, and so there are some characteristics because image is not obviously not same as. Um, there are some characteristics of God that have been passed on to uh, human beings of both sexes equally. W- what all of those characteristics are, we don't know. You know, does God have uh, an appearance like we have? We don't know. We know that Jesus does because he became a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of things here that we just simply do not know. So let's go with what we do know. In the Bible, God is spoken as under the male gender. Mm-hmm. That is how the Bible communicates to us. The other thing that we do know is that God is not bound by culture. And when culture is wrong, God corrects it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people say, ah, oh, you know, yeah, but that was just God communicating to the culture of the time. Well, okay, yes, Dad, God does communicate to the culture of the time, no question about that. But whenever culture is wrong, God steps in and corrects it. And particularly on these issues of gender and equality of, of, uh, of male and female, you've got you know God stepping in and um, creating a system in 
Israel was vastly different from the systems that were round about. You know, women in Israel were to be educated. They could be landowners. Um, they were honoured if they were businesswomen, businesswomen. They um, they owned land. They had property rights. They could aspire to any position in society except that of the priest. You know, they could be head of state. They could be uh, general. They could be queen. They could be um, prophetess. You know, all of these things were available to both sexes. Mm. You do not find that. Education, the poorest of the poor peasant girls in Israel were to be educated, and you find that you know, Jesus was educated by his mother, who was a peasant girl. Mm. Vastly different. Just vastly different to the Hellenistic society he had in the first century in the time of Jesus mm. and any other society he had down through that time period of history. And so when culture is wrong, God corrects culture. It is that simple. Mm. God communicates and God has chosen to communicate himself to us using the male or masculine gender. And I'm happy to just leave it at that. There are occasions, um, very, very rare, and I'm thinking of Matthew 23, verse 37, where you have this statement, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets and stone those that are sent to you, how often would I have gathered, gathered your children under uh, together, even as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you would not. This is probably one of the very, very few statements that in some way alludes to a mother-like characteristic from God, and I don't think that that is wrong in the context of God being of a male gender in any way, shape, or form, because um, as the man and as you know, a family man myself, I'd have no problem saying this from a male perspective in my home and you know, looking at the mother chicken as an object lesson of how you protect your family, um, and that is you know, what your role is. Hmm. Yeah, so there's some uh, controversial statements for you this morning. The other controversial question that Lawson will bring to you, you're going to have to wait until Monday for that one uh, because we are out of time, but we'd love to hear your thoughts on the matter. You can give us a call anytime you want. But right now, we have Nicole. Nicole Mullen with Redeemer. Who taught the sun where to stand? You can only come this far And who showed the moon Where to hide till evening Whose words alone can catch a falling star Well I know my redeemer
That was Nicole C. Mullen with Redeemer here on Faith FM. We have come to the last completely uh, double L show, breakfast show that Lawson and I will do together, which is kind of super sad. We have one more week left of the breakfast show, and uh, it's been just awesome to have uh, the double L team here uh, for one last time, Lawson and Lyle together. But at the end of the show, of course, what we do is we get to give something away. And Lawson is over there busily digging in the prize box looking for our giveaway of today. And uh, while he, Lawson just holds something up so that we can start announcing it. Um, grab a prize for us. What have you got there, Lawson? What's it called? Show. Oh, it's an album. Okay, so we've got a... Um, got an Anna Beden album, of An Anna Beden album. We have an Anna Beden concert coming up in we do. Maitland SDA Church, and I thought this would be you know, a good... Pre- if, if you're thinking about coming along to that or hearing that, or maybe you just want to listen to Anna Beden because she's great. This is actually probably my favourite Anna Beden album. We had a song play from it before. It's called... That song was I Am Convinced. Um, this album is called Living Words. It's Anna Beden's, I believe, her 2015 album. Um, so if you want this, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and you'll get this uh, album completely for free. And if you also you'd like to uh, express some support for The Breakfast Show, we would love to find a way forward for The Breakfast Show. That won't happen without your support. And so send it through to us. Give us a call, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 0491-064-669. We would love to hear from you.